Episode number 10, Unemployment, Disability, and Shame. Although we here at the Womanhood and Disability Podcast recognize the month of October as National Disability Employment Awareness Month, October is also recognized as Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Did you know that women with disabilities are reported to experiencing higher rates of intimate partner violence? It is reported from the CDC that 39% of female victims of rape and even physical violence had a disability at the time. We want to take the time to honor the survivors of these injustices and let any woman with a disability out there know that there is help and resources available to you and that we are sending prayers and strength your way. Please call the Violence Against Women hotline for more information. You can reach them at 1-800-994-9662. That's 1-800-994-9662. As we look into closing the month of October, we've been celebrating National Disability Employment Awareness Month all month long. And this podcast episode is a little special. I'm just giving my personal experience and what it's been like to be a person with a disability in the workforce. And so just quoting some few statistics that I think we should all be remindful of is the employment rate among individuals with disabilities is still at 12.6%, which is almost three times as much as a national average. Disability employment is still a huge issue in which many people with disabilities are facing extreme barriers into accessing equal and equitable employment opportunities. So with that in mind, I hope you enjoyed this episode and stay tuned. So the other day, my pastor preached a sermon entitled, A Fear of the Dark. And one of the things that he pointed out was that our pain can often create pathways to purpose. Um, I sat on that phrase for a long time. I know that over the course of the years, I've had to wrap my head around the pain I was enduring. Oftentimes, I know I felt like my pain was silenced um, or siloed because of my disability. And many times I found myself crying bitterly um, about this pain that just didn't seem to go away. And I will even go on further to say that because my pain was so great, I spent a great deal of time building a defense system so that I will never have to feel this particular pain again. And I know for me, when I speak of pain, I always seem to think about it in dual terms. Like pain for me is not just like physical pain, but um, emotional pain, social pain, psychological pain. Um, And so in this particular instance, the pain that I'm talking about is the pain of rejection from the workplace. You know, uh, it's disability employment, Awareness Month, October is recognized at that. And before I really get into discussion of disability um, and unemployment and um, what that looks like in my life experiences, I just want to read off some um, statistics that I pulled from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Um, the employment rate among individuals with disabilities, unemployment rate 
among individuals with disability is 12.6%, um, but the national average of unemployment rate among um, non-disabled people is 5.6%. 17.9% of persons with disabilities are employed, and that number has actually gone down from 19.3% in 2019. 29% of workers with a disability were employed part-time compared with 16% of those without a disability. Um, we know that the prevalence of disability is highest among women and African-Americans. Um, people with disabilities are more likely to work in service-based occupations, um, and persons with disabilities are actually less likely to work in administrative roles, management, professional, and other related type occupations. So I want to lift off all these statistics because I think they paint a really glaring picture of what some of the challenges and barriers are for people with disabilities. Um, I think I read a stat the other day that said 34% of individuals with disabilities have experienced workplace discrimination. Now, when I first read that stat, I was like, you know, that's kind of a low number. But then I also thought these are just the reported cases of people with disabilities who reported or gone through their state system to say, I have experienced discrimination or, or I believe I've been uh, discriminated against. This doesn't even have to do with those individuals who have experienced discrimination or any type of bullying or workplace hostile environment and who have um, have not maybe found the courage to speak up about that. Um, but I say all this to say because, you know, in our current culture, um, your value is contingent and is based upon what your occupation I know for me, even when I'm going into networking settings, um, people, one of the main things that people ask me is, what do you do, right? Um, our society, unfortunately, is driven by capitalism. Um, and capitalism, the base of it determines a person's significance um, or their value by their ability to contribute to the workforce. How much money can you give to the specific area or field? Um, although there are a lot of benefits from that, and that we have a competitive marketplace. Um, you know, I'm not an economist or anything by any means, but I'm giving you like a basic overview here. Um, but the disadvantage of that is it can also impact and affect marginalized communities where maybe the playing field is not equal. And so because you're not seen as get, giving as much value, you're deemed to be less than. Um, like I said, those who earn more wages are considered more valuable. Uh, and I know for me, that was a disconnect because when I first graduated college and I got my degree and I'm sitting there ready to take the world by force because they tell me, the world has told me if I go to college, if I get a degree, I should be able to get a job. Well, that didn't happen for me. I got my degree and I struggled all, all five plus years <laughs> up until the point that I got right back into grad school. I struggled um, with landing the job or getting a salary. I can honestly, in full transparency, say that I'm 30 years old and I've never made over like $30,000 a year. Um, and that was a big place of shame for me. But I recognize the platform and some of the advocacy efforts I have and, and being able to identify why that is. And so that's kind of why I want to do this podcast today. Um, and so, like I said, uh, the workforce is dedicated and it rewards those who put forth effort and demonstrate tenacity to get the job done, all in the spirit of excellence. Um, I will go on to say that growing up in a single parent household, that 
was a driving force of my mother and those around me who I grew up around that um, their value, so much value was placed on their occupation, so much value was placed on their ability to work, to, you know, to, uh, to walk up the ladder, you know, and you started out as an admin and now you're managerial staff, you know, that was a place of pride um, to do her job well and exceed in the corporate America. Um, I would even say us as black kids, you know, because recognizing that intersection about how even our cultures and our communities respond and replace value on occupation. Uh, us black kids who are raised with working class parents are basically inebriated with the same sense of work ethic. You know, if we get the degree, if we go the extra mile, if we're better than our peers, um, then the workforce will eventually bend to our will and reward us with a good paying job that yields great benefits and a salary that affords you to be able to do whatever and however you choose to buy what you desire. But I will say, as a black disabled woman, that whole notion goes completely out the window because I never seem to reap any of those benefits. It has always seemed that my reward was contingent on the mercy of someone else who was on the fence about my worth and ability. Um, and those two contingencies clashed on a consistent basis, going in for jobs, knowing that I was very well qualified for having leaving the interview feeling like I killed it for only them to just seem like they disappeared out of thin air, no response, how many follow-up emails I sent out, and just leaving knowing that what was it that made you not select me? And I'm not just talking about like a few interviews. I mean, I sent hundreds and hundreds of, of resumes. I've been on hundreds and hundreds of job interviews and putting in miles in my car, like, asking my mom to send me money so I can go in this job interview because I just knew I was going to get it for me to go in the door interview and then not hearing anything, not getting any feedback or anything. And so I began to think it was me, like there was something wrong with me. Maybe there was something wrong with my ability. I never connected the dots in my head that maybe there was an invisible barrier that I told that I wasn't completely aware of that I also needed to be addressing. Each time I was denied a job or I didn't hear back or I would put my resume back into the world or cyberspace. Um, it left me wounded and bruised um, and I, I, it broke my spirit. I'll be completely honest. Time and, time and time again, you know, as a freshly new college graduate who went into the workforce bright-eyed, bushy-tailed with no anticipation of the level of pain and the level of rejection I would experience seeing all my classmates landing dream jobs, getting, you know, those salary contracts and being able to move forward in the career. And here I was working two to three jobs, minimum wage, scrubbing toilets at a restaurant's, um, you know, bathroom. It was really humiliating. Um, having people give me advice and, you know, doing everything that their advice said, you know, they said, tweak your resume like this, and I tweaked it like that, and do this, and I did that, and I still, it still didn't yield any results, um, and so then after having to face immense rejection and terminations, and pivoting out of a saving grace to save any piece of the future I didn't know existed, um, I had to throw myself in the fiery furnace of soul searching, um, and discovery, because, my present reality in the workforce, um, I just couldn't take another rejection. Um, 
and I questioned, you know, how was I supposed to thrive in the world as a working black woman if I could not work? You know, and that was my whole thing. If I could just get a job, if I could just get a job, I'll be able to pay my rent and I'll be able to pay my bills in time. And then my car wouldn't get repossessed. If I could just get a job, you know, I can be able to help others. I can go out to eat or travel with my friends if I could just get a job. And the baseline was always came back to if I can just get a job. How was I supposed to find purpose in the workforce that told me my value was low and that my capacity was limited, even though everything in me knew that wasn't the truth? I knew the skills that I possessed, but taking those skills and being able to translate them and get people to actually recognize and see those skills beyond my disability and beyond my difference, it was really frustrating. Many times I thought that maybe I was cursed because I had a disability. If my face was normal looking, then people would not treat me this way. If I didn't have an ounce of difference, then people would just see my skills and resume. They would just like hire me. Um, maybe I could finally get a shot and get my foot in the door. Um, but that took a really long time. And I found myself asking for the bare minimum wage when there was a potential to make salary, when there was a possibility to do more. Almost begging people, I got to a place of desperation. Um, like I said, it forced me to take a pivot because if I didn't, the work, the environment of the workforce toward people with disabilities would have killed me and stunted my growth. And I know killed me is like a really strong word, but I'm serious. If I didn't have to take a step back from the, the harshness I had faced in being in a workplace environment and not really taking that time to really search about my purpose and who I was then I would have been still in this revolving cycle of getting a workplace environment to accept someone like me. And to be honest, the workplace wasn't created for people like me. It wasn't created for women with disabilities to excel. They don't even consider us when they're thinking about some of these positions. And so, um, like I said, um, on paper, the world said my degree had much to offer and the person in the world said not good enough and there was someone better. Um, I remember during this very tumultuous season of my life, I went to church for answers and I've had people tell me I needed more confidence and I needed more faith. And so I hunted down confidence and I threw myself at faith and it didn't award me the same results as my peers. And that made me really angry. Like I said, I went to people asking for advice and I took that advice. I mean, I took it to the key. They said, I need to do my resume this way, so I'm going to do it like that. I need to protect my voice. I need to smile. I need to exert more confidence. And so going into each interview with this new piece of confidence, and I was still turned away. Um, and so uh, anger set in because I was still getting crumbs, and I knew it wasn't due to my lack of faith or confidence. Uh, it seemed a lot of times while others were met with grace, my life was met with indifference. And I knew it was because I had a visible disability and nothing in me, not even God, would be willing to change that. <laughs> I know that's a strong, because I even asked that, like, God, can you just, like, make me better, or, you know, make me more normal looking, maybe I should wear my hair, start wearing makeup or different things so I can appear as normal as possible. Um, and like I said, anger setting because I was doing all these things that everyone else was doing, all my peers were doing, and it was just not giving me the same results. Actually, I felt like it imploded like in my lap. Um, anger setting, and this was like a different type of anger because this anger seemed to never go away. It was like a festering wound that I couldn't find a balm or a solve to heal. 
Um, it was like lying there dormant and burning, never consuming. And I felt so alone. And there's nothing worse than having to suffer in pain and silence. I, I, I didn't feel the safety at the time to say, I don't know why I keep on feeling rejected. And I feel like it's me. And I don't know what else to do. I didn't feel safe in saying that. And I hate that I didn't feel safe in saying that. I hate that I didn't feel like I had anyone in my community at the time to say, I'm being discriminated against or I'm experiencing bullying. I'm thinking it's because I have a disability and not having anyone who can relate to that and really validate my experiences and my feelings. And that was a really, really, really lonely time in a really dark place in my life. Um, and so this kind of rejection from the workplace, this is really why I turned to the disability community. Before then, I never really associated with the disability community because I just kind of grew up with a really false um, perception of what disability was, and I didn't really want the stigma or the label, but I bumped into it because I was desperate and I needed help and I just could not figure out, am I the only person going through it? And so I believe that God, you know, he divinely ordered our steps that God allowed the disability community to find me in one of the lowest moments of my life and one of the places where I felt so hopeless um, and everything around me pointed to failure. I found a community that accepted me and told me that I wasn't a failure, but that I had value. And that was, um, that was, I think, the most life-saving thing. This is why I don't, even though I move in different realms within the community and bridging gaps and creating more equity for disabled and non-disabled platforms, I will never fully turn my back on any community, especially one that embraced me with open arms. You know, I remember at one point, my family at one point said that I was failing. Um, they didn't even know about the community of disability. And here I was, their disabled child, you know. The disability community provided a place where they accepted me. They had validated me um, and the skills I had to offer. And so, like I said, I pivoted to disability spaces because my ability there was never questioned. It was actually praised. Um, they affirmed my capacity and connected me to resources to grow. And from my experiences in the general workforce, and that was a breath of fresh air I needed. That was something that I needed to revive my own spirit, to revive <clears throat> my own self-worth and identity and what I meant to this world and how this world saw me. Um, nevertheless, you know, all that hurt, all that pain, all that rejection, it did not go away overnight. Um, and it left me kind of in this space. Um, and so for a long time, I also felt like I was between two strong places. Um, I was in a new welcoming space of disability and also in the space of a world that said I wasn't enough, but I was still a part of. Um, disability up until this point had yet to be interjected into every area and facet of my life. And so um, I felt that there were other ways that just weren't normal. <laughs> Even coming into the realization that everyone does not accept disability, um, this reality left me really unbalanced at times because I found, you know, such camaraderie and such um, love and friendship in this community and I felt extreme harshness on the opposite end. Um, and I was like, there is no bridge between the worlds that I lived in, which disability did not exist in the world that I was escaping to, which honors who I am, honors my, my identity as a disabled person, honors my chronic illness. Um, oftentimes I felt stuck in the middle um, in between a present moment that fights disability existence and a place that acknowledges disability relevancy. Um, 
And most days I prefer the latter because uh, it was easier. <laughs> Even though I knew I couldn't hide in a disability community forever, I had to go back into the workforce. And that's kind of how I feel I'm where I'm at now. Um, I've learned a lot from my community, but I also see the need in taking what I've learned from my community and taking it to the rest of the world because I don't believe there should be anything separate, but there actually needs to be full integration. Um, and so those are kind of the things that I've learned uh, in my experience in being in the workforce and workplace environment and uh, having the lived experience and working through some of that pain and rejection I've experienced because of my disability. These are things that I talk about with my therapist and I work out in therapy and I believe it's perfectly healthy. Um, but, you know, I really decided to do this podcast to really just be a voice um, because I feel like this issue and this topic is not talked about a lot. And because it is National Disability Employment Awareness Month, highlighting some of those silent pains that many of us go through. We're not getting voice to knowing that you're not alone if you have experienced you know, misplacement or you felt misplaced in the workforce, in the work environment, and knowing that you're not alone. A lot of people actually feel misplaced and actually thinking about ways, how to bridge um, those misplacements, how to resolve that and make people with disabilities feel more included and more valued in not just a workplace environment, but also in all other types of professionals environments. So um, I think when in this episode on that note, um, if you're listening, um, I hope you're encouraged and hey, let me know what you think. Did you enjoy that episode? I know I did. Guess what? It's the month of October, which means it's National Disability Employment Awareness Month. All month long, we are going to be talking about the importance of disability employment. Stay tuned and make sure you subscribe to this page to get updates on new episodes being released.